Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. There is a new Angus Reid poll out that has some fascinating numbers in it. And it goes to something that we talked about here on the show when we went to the phones with you last week. And it's about a vaccine for COVID. And if you recall, if you, recall, if you were listening last week when we did, were, were doing the calls, we asked you, if they come out with a vaccine, will you be near the front of the line to get yourself inoculated? Or are you concerned about it? Well, when we took the calls, I could be wrong, but I think it was unanimous that everybody was saying, wait a second, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this. I'll wait to see if a few other people go first. And if their arms don't fall off where the needle went in, then maybe I'll do it. Well, Angus Reid has now looked across the country and four out of five Canadians say they will get the vaccine relatively quickly if, in fact, a vaccine were to be made available. However, three in five, so 60%, more than 60%, say they are worried about the side effects. So think about this one. Almost more than 80% say, yeah, line me up, I'm good. But then a whole bunch of those people are still saying, yeah, but I still don't know what's going into my body and I'm very concerned about it. It is a real conundrum for a lot of people. Let me bring in a friend of the show. We haven't had him on for a while, but we always love when he's here. Dr. Ahmad Firas Khalid, who's a doctor, he's a health policy expert. Uh, Dr. Khalid, thanks for doing this today. Sure, happy to be here. Uh, any of the numbers when you hear this, that 80% roughly of people are saying, yeah, line me up, but 60% are saying I'm really concerned. Any of those numbers surprise you? Not really, Scott. I think it's very predictable that we see this hesitancy on the show uh, from people in Canada about the vaccine development. Uh, I think what it tells us is that people are just not sure about a vaccine that we haven't really seen the uh, human data on yet. So a lot of the data is coming forward on the early trials of the vaccine have been on animal data. And with those that we don't really have a full array of all the information we need to make an informed decision. So I think all that statistic is telling us is that people like uh, myself and you are just waiting to see sort of more data, more results before we can make up our mind. It, it does suggest, though, if you have 80% who say, I'm willing to go right away, and 60% say, yeah, but I'm concerned about what it might be, it suggests an awful lot of trust in the scientists to that you're still willing to get that needle, even if you're concerned about it. Yeah, but we have to remind ourselves that just because 80% said they might be willing to take it, how many of them actually will take it? So, like, polls, what they do is that they might just indicate people's willingness. But uh, them following through with it is a different story altogether. And the reason why I raise this is that we've seen in the past where a vaccine has been developed, people say that they're willing to take it and then the numbers don't add up. Uh, and so I think this is just a waiting time. And also for Canada, it plays out differently for us. We won't jump gun on what the U.S. does. So just because if the U.S. approves a vaccine doesn't, doesn't mean that we will get it in Canada. So the point I'm trying to make here, Scott, is that uh, people can agree or be willing to take the vaccine, but how soon it's available for them to take it might be long time, which means that they might change their mind along the time, along the way. We could actually, because we've done reasonably well with this, uh, I was reading that this could actually become a bit of a moot point because when a vaccine is created, Canada may be nowhere near the top of the list to get a huge amount of this stuff because there's other places that need it much more quickly than we do. Yeah, but that's also early. We're seeing, Scott, from the reports from other countries that were doing exemplary well 
you know, like countries you and I have discussed on the show before that we looked at for the perfect model are back into lockdowns. And so the point here is that we it's very difficult with COVID to predict what the projections will be uh, if we stay course. You know, I think we are doing an amazing job in Canada. I think we are now being looked at as one of the top countries in the world that have put forward very effective interventions to combat this pandemic. But those can change, right? If tomorrow we start relaxing things, we stop wearing face masks, we don't use safe hand hygiene, we can go back into a massive spike in the numbers, which will change the, the, the course of the disease over time. So it's just a matter of staying on course for now and seeing what time will tell with terms of vaccine development. I'm trying to remember, and you, you can help me out, you'll remember better than I can, but about 10 or 12 or 13 years ago, was it H1N1 that was out and they yeah. came out with a vaccine? And when we talk about whether people are willing to line up, I remember being at a hockey rink and there were lineups for the injection site for people just like running to the front of the line to get this stuff. And I, you know, even though again, people may have had their doubts, we do seem to be a society that says we trust that what you're going to give us is going to be okay for us. If, if you're, if you've given the rubber stamp to it, it's probably okay. And so we're willing to take it. I think that if when we speak about Canadians specifically and here in Canada, we trust our health agencies because we know that they undergo a very rigorous, and I mean rigorous process before approving any drug into our market. So that's why, for example, you often hear the criticism is that we don't have the latest advancements of drugs as compared to our neighboring country, the U.S. And the, one of the main reasons for that is that, again, Health Agency of Canada is extremely rigorous and won't approve anything just because another country has approved it. It has to undergo our own effectiveness and safety measures. So, And I, I think the reason that that is is to protect the population's health. And that's why we've generated confidence by the public in our drugs and vaccines here in Canada. And most often Canadians are willing to, you know, take the drug that the physicians uh, prescribe for them or the vaccine that's been recommended to take because we do trust our system. However, since 10 years ago, there's been a lot of campaigns that are anti-vaccine. You and I know about them. We've seen them on social media. The amount of misinformation that's being put out there about vaccines has really changed people's confidence levels over time. You think it has had an impact? Absolutely. We know the research has showed us over and over again that the type of misinformation on social media platforms has had an impact on people's perception. Hopefully, the, the goal here is to educate the public and to increase the awareness about the benefits of vaccines and for the healthcare providers to really work with their patients on a daily basis to increase that awareness and educate them about the benefits of vaccines. There does also, and, and I don't know whether this is just a... Um, a, a lack of trust in any authority figures or whatever, but it seems as though if we tell people you have to get this, people will balk at it as opposed to saying, we think you really should get it. There seems to be a better willingness to go along with it. The, the have to seems to make a lot of people get their back up. Well, I think that if we provide people with the right evidence and that's easily understood, easily accessible, and that people can sort of jump on, jump on point with it, then yes, I do I think that that will happen. So we can't just say you must take it. We must educate the public why it's important, educate them about the side effects. People want to be informed. Canadians are, uh, we're an educated population. We like to know the evidence before we take a decision. And our job, people in health policy arena, is to really try to disseminate that knowledge in a very simple way, Scott, to make sure that people understand what are they getting with this vaccine? What are some of the potential side effects of having it? What does the evidence say about it so that they are making an informed decision when they do want to take it?
There's another piece about this, Doctor, that I think really is interesting from this poll uh, when it speaks to trust. And you have to dive down a little bit into the numbers, but liberal and new democratic voters are overwhelmingly in favor favor of getting the vaccine. Conservative voters are standing at about 30%. And I'm trying to decide if this speaks to those th- those different groups have different level of trust in government or if the numbers would be flipped entirely if it was a conservative government that was in power now we just don't trust whichever government is in power if it's not the government that reflects our political views i didn't expect politics to become part of this discussion but clearly it does i'm so happy you're bringing this up scott i spent the past four days developing a new course from mcmaster university called politics and pandemics for more than 100 students and the argument for this course, this brand new course that McMaster is offering that I'm teaching is about that po- pandemics, COVID-19 is very political. So vaccine development is actually one of the topics we're addressing that it does align with the government's viewpoint. If you are a, a liberal or a conservative, we see and we know from the evidence that people have different alignment to how they see vaccines. Liberals, the democratic people in the U.S. seem to be more in favor of science. Uh, which means that they are more likely to accept a vaccine. We don't see the same with people who align themselves with a more conservative party. Uh, and so that's politics is very much intertwined with the way pandemics are handled, from vaccines and treatments all the way to how people accept face masks and their freedom of speech and their, 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 their idea that it might violate their public uh, and own individual rights. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Do you believe that the view might be different depending on which government was in power? That if you were, for example, a conservative here who says, I'm not really in favor of this, if it was a conservative government that you had a greater level of faith in that was in power, would you be more likely to then believe it? Well, what we know is that the government can decide how they educate the public in one way or another. So if the government itself, the governing uh, government at the time, is not in favor of science and evidence and vaccines and that development, then yes, the messaging will be, you know, not in line with the mass public. And the reason we have a current example of that, Scott, we look at the U.S. uh, and we see that the government and in in this in this in this scenario, I'm talking about Donald Trump and the president is not in favor of face masks or using science to back up his arguments. And what ends up happening is that you have a subset of the population in the U.S. that are following suit of what the government is believing in or what the government is portraying. And that's why politics and pandemics go well together. If you had a government in the U.S. that's very much saying everybody should wear a face mask, the science is conclusive about the effectiveness of face masks, they work, they probably would have a very different reaction. The majority of people in the U.S. would be wearing face masks which is not the case right now. Last week on the show, we had an immunology uh, expert from the University of Guelph who's actually part of a team that's working on trying to create a vaccine right now, and he's got some government money towards that. And he was pointing out, you know what, part of the reason people may be a little skeptical if they are is because developing a vaccine usually is an incredibly long process that takes years, not months And yet there's so much pressure right now for someone to come up with a vaccine that that's where a lot of people are having their concerns that it sounds, whether it's true or not, it sounds as though if something were to get to the market within the next six months or five months or a year, it sounds as though corners have been cut. Well, yeah, I'm so happy you bring this up because uh, I think one of the things that we're doing is sort of a mistake is that we read the tabloids and we see a rush in vaccine development. Nobody wants to rush things. Would you buy a rushed car? You wouldn't. 
right? You wouldn't want a car that's made overnight. You would want a car that's been tested on the road, that's been developed over time. The engineers have thought about all parts of it. And the reason why I keep it as simple as a car analogy is because it's, you know, vaccines are much more complicated than building a car. And so they require time and energy and they require efforts to examine the side effects and monitor people over a long period of time. And that is the case in Canada. So that's, that's the great news here is that here in Canada, public health agencies don't take this matter lightly. They will go under a rigorous testing. We see news, however, from other parts of the world where they are rushing to make a vaccine. And yes, we get scared. I am one of those people. I don't want a rushed vaccine. I don't want a vaccine that's developed overnight. I want an effective vaccine that is proven to be safe for me and my loved ones. And therefore, I will wait to see the results when they come out for those long clinical trials. But throw in the fact that there are probably, I don't think it's an overstatement, billions of dollars of a reward in, in sales for the company that comes out with this first. And that's a that's quite an incentive to make this thing move quickly. If you're a, if you're a lab, if you're a company that's working on this and you can get one into the market first, my goodness. I mean, that, that's I, again, I think where a lot of people start to say, hmm, what, what, what exactly might we see? Well, I mean, it, no matter how much money you throw at this, there's only so, so much speed you can go at it. And the reason why I'm saying is that, you know, yes, we've, we've moved uh, exponentially fast in our development of vaccines through phase one or phase two. But right now, most of the vaccines are in phase three. And to explain that better, what phase three is, is that thousands of healthy adult volunteers get randomized. So they get placed into either people who get the vaccine, COVID-19, or to a control group or what we call it a placebo. So somebody who's already, you know, a licensed vaccine for another disease. And then they have to go about their normal lives. And then we don't know which ones received which. That's called blinding in, in medicine and clinical medicine. So the two groups behave similarly in terms of risk taking. And we monitor them over a long period of time to see if there are side effects. You can't fast track that. Right now, all the data is coming out of animal data, which is great and it's showing very positive results. But when we get to phase three, which is what I was talking about earlier, that will take time. So as much as we want to say it's rushed, it's not really rushed. What we rushed maybe is the regulations, the licensing, the approval, the scientific procedures behind it, but the actual monitoring of side effects and looking how it works in terms of immune response can't be rushed. It has to take time. We have heard that in order for this to be to work, there's going to have to be a, a, a large enough number that you get this herd immunity, that the, the majority of people are now immune. And then even if some people decide not to take it, that they're not going to necessarily cause the damage they might otherwise, some would say. But do you think that anybody who chooses not to take it will face a great deal of scorn now that, that they will be, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be called anti-vaxxers or whatever else, but is, is there going to be a huge amount of pressure on everybody to take this? I think so. I think it would be very naive for me to say otherwise. We saw it with face masks, Scott. People who don't wear face masks, we know we're getting stigmatized and, and we're being sort of shunned, right? And so, and it's difficult. This is part of nature of, of human nature, you know, if you don't go with the, with the, the herd, you're sort of isolated and excluded. And our, I guess the, the thing, the message here is that we need to be understanding. We never know why people choose to not uh, not uh, take the vaccine. They might have their own personal reasons. And that will just be a, a requirement on us to sort of educate the mass public about the benefits of vaccines and the side effects, but leave it up to individual rights to see whether they decide to take it or not. 
Dr. Ahmad Firas Khalid, uh, we love having you on always. Thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely happy to speak to you, Scott. Have a good day. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.